Welcome back, everybody, to In The Loop. What is up, everybody? My name is Michael Burpo. Thanks again for listening to In The Loop. So this is our last episode for the season, season two. And we've learned a lot. We've talked with a lot of people. This season has been our most ambitious so far. And we couldn't be prouder of the stories we've covered and the information we've passed on. We're going to be taking a small break. We're going to be coming back the second week of January. So you're going to have two weeks without us. I know. Very sad. And when we come back, it'll be the same amazing show with season three of In The Loop starting again. We've taken some suggestions and we're going to switch it up just a little bit, but you can expect more of the same content that we've been producing. This week's episode is going to be kind of a recap of some of our best moments and some of the episodes that we're most proud of. And I picked out 10 of our best episodes that we think you could revisit or that we wanted to highlight a little bit more. And we sort of tried to pull a good sound bite that kind of epitomizes what In The Loop is trying to cover. I think it's a really good one. I hope you enjoy. And again, thank you for being with us and joining us in this podcast and for just being a part of what we do. This is a real labor of love. It's something that I find very fun and that Punch Mark and the Smithy Group all really collaborate and we get to express ourselves with it. So having your support means that we get to do more really fun things. So again, from the deepest of my heart, thank you guys so much. This episode is brought to you by Punchmark, the jewelry industry's leading website provider. Join the community of nearly 500 other jewelry stores in choosing Punchmark's easy-to-run and e-commerce-enabled website platform by visiting punchmark.com for your free trial demo. And this episode is brought to you by The Smithy Group, a digital growth agency that helps leaders and businesses dream bigger and achieve multi-generational integrity. Through insights and intelligence, digital marketing, and advertising solutions, they help businesses expand their business and grow their revenue. The Smithy Group has helped hundreds of businesses surpass their goals and believe that whatever your business and whatever your story, they will make it matter to your audience. I want to say a very special thank you from both Punchmark and the Smithy Group for joining us on this journey and for being a part of what we do. It's not a one-man show. You guys hear my voice on the other side of the radio quite a bit, but what you don't see is the 10 other people that come together to be on this, whether as a co-host or a guest or our copywriter, Steph, or our editor, Paul. It really is a team effort, and it's not just me, even though you hear my voice the most. So again, thank you. Enjoy the show. This clip is from episode five, Leading the Pack, with guests Ross and Ben. How many individual employees do you feel that you have the direct kind of management of at this moment? Me personally, four, but uh, four direct, but, uh, you know, I, I am involved a little bit with others just on an as needed basis. How about you, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, same thing. So if I'm doing my job well, I, and, and I looked at this this year and even in, in journaling, like I took up the practice of journaling and in journaling and even focusing on if I'm doing my job well as a leader, as a CEO, then I'm really focused on essentially, you know, the three or four other leaders in the organization and leading them and then trusting them to disperse that information across the organization. Yeah. If I start trying to now, that's not I'm, I'm responsible for everyone. Right, because I'm responsible for setting the tone for culture and all these other things. But on a day-to-day basis, the majority of my time needs to be invested in, in growing and developing and leading my leadership team. And if I'm not focused on that, then it's going to be an inefficient, ineffective organization. 
This clip is from episode eight. Let's talk with ring buyers with guests Evelyn and Stephen and Kevin. I think what I took away from that interview just now as well was the pride factor. Like he wanted something that she would have been proud to show off. She was like family. Yeah, I just love that that sentiment around it. And my other takeaway was also the wedding band sale. Yeah, surprising. Like he, he wanted it. He wanted yeah. to be sold that. I don't know. That's that's a tip for the retailers out there. Like give 10% off the wedding band purchase after they buy an engagement. Like think about think about their next purchase. Think yeah. about the the bridal party. Think about think about their like lifespan with the jewelry store, not just the engagement ring and that that sale right then and there. That's why I've always heard that again, jewelry stores who are listening, jewelry store owners that are listening, drop us a line if this is not true. But I've always been on the assumption that the reason why the engagement ring is the king of of jewelry sales is because one, it's generally uh, one of the most expensive. And two, it's like the opening um, gift. So they get one, generally they get two wedding rings um, or wedding bands after that. They also generally get a ring sizing after that or a polishing right before the uh, the wedding, um, as well as sometimes they get bridal gifts or groom's gifts or something like that. And it just spins into a whole bunch more. So if you get the first one, you get all these other ones. And to hear that is just so surprising. Like my, again, one of the devs at Punchmark, uh, Tommy Rhodes, he, uh, I think he wears a silicone band and it's like, Not that it's not special, but it just is not, uh, he was just never sold like the story, the way that other things are sold. And, you know, hey, you could get this tungsten band. Tungsten is one is the the heaviest metal or something like that. It would be so cool, like a good story. But instead, you know, he wears a silicon band. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, Yeah, I just think that even in your targeting and in your ads, jewelry stores have an opportunity to target men and talk to them specifically and say like, hey, don't don't just go for the silicone band, like have something else that you can wear for date night and something that you like too. I think there's an opportunity to play up on that and show the custom appeal that jewelers can do as well. Yeah. I I guess I'm, I was a little bit surprised, but that's just me. Um, Anything else, Evelyn, before we get this thing wrapped up? I think just jewelry store owners that are listening, get in the mind of the consumers. Think about what he cared about, what both those guys cared about. They cared about it feeling right, looking right and being the right dollar amount. I yeah. I heard very little about the four C's. Never heard the word bridal. So I hope that was refreshing for you to listen to and get back into the mind of the consumer. This clip is from episode 10. Let's talk with small town jewelers with guests Ben and Todd from Meg's Jewelry and Jeff from Miners North. And at my age, that's been in the business for, you know, 35 years, but to see so much potential ahead of me and, you know, it's all because of having the right people on the bus. And someone, so, someone told me it was kind of like having a, um, being a conductor of a symphony. Someone was saying that it's like the conductor doesn't necessarily know how to play, you know, every single instrument that's in the symphony, but you kind of know where the song is going and you know how to, how to push and pull and how to give people a little bit more time and space. And it's a matter of kind of having an idea of the big picture and the big song, as opposed to knowing and playing each individual instrument and note. I think that's kind of like a long extrapolated metaphor for running a a business. It's a great analogy. And it really is because there's so much of what we're doing now that I am not 
very well versed on. And, you know, back in the day, you know, marketing degree and every, you know, business management type of thing, but everything has changed so, and it's so easy to be complacent and stay in your space. It's so important now to be able to get out of your own way and bring people on so that you can grow and reach potential. This clip is from episode 13, The Gen C Consumer, part one, with guests Cody and MA and host Alex. Uh, just quickly before we do jump into the next topic, I'm really interested to know what platforms you guys are really on and shopping on and doing your research on. Um, I would say that for discovery, it's absolutely always on Pinterest. Um, all the Pinterest knows really well, all the colors I like, the jewelry I like, the fashion, everything, my exact aesthetic, just because I've spent so much time curating collections on there. And so every time I open Pinterest, I see lots of things that I think are beautiful. And it's just a really quick, easy way to find new brands. I can even take brands that I know I like and scroll up on Pinterest and find new brands that are similar or new pieces of jewelry that are similar. And Instagram, I feel like I open a page and you have like one eye shot worth to show me something that I think is beautiful, that I think is a may and unique. And if you don't, like I'm out, like I'm not interested. And on Pinterest... I feel like I can open it and see 10 things that I think are beautiful immediately. And there's just not another platform or space where I get that from a discovery standpoint. Now, I'm really interested to hear you say Pinterest because I feel like there might be a little bit of a misconception that Pinterest is dead, that it's for the craft hobbyists and not for anyone else. But you're actually saying as a Gen Zer that you go on there and discover new brands, things that you like specifically, that it's actually really a search engine for you. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. It's it's an aesthetic visual search engine. Like it, it's so awesome at like recognizing down to like colors, down to like, I don't really like squares. I don't like straight lines. I like swirls. Like it just knows that it's really, really amazing. Oh man, I love that. I love that it can see exactly what you like and then points you in the right directions for certain things. Jake, what what are your experiences with Pinterest and is it something that you gravitate towards? It's something that I honestly don't gravitate towards. I would like to give it a try, but I feel like most of my discovery comes from influencers that I follow on Instagram and on YouTube. I feel like YouTube is a very large resource for me because I love seeing products in use and I love seeing them in motion and not just in static images. For example, I recently purchased a Peloton bike and the first thing I did was watched. 10 videos on how it works, what's it about, what kind of content they have. And I just love visually seeing people using the product in in effect. This clip is from episode 16, How to Make a Stellar Website, with guests Katie and Summer. Okay, so let's kind of bring this thing home with some actionable advice. I like kind of ending with some things that the listeners should be doing. I mean, most people are going to have a website. It seems like everybody has a website. How can they go into the second half of you know the year or after coming out of listening to this podcast? What can they do to really improve their website and uh, start making some sales? What, what do you think, Summer? 
Yeah. So this actually makes me think of our TSG marketing guide volume two that we did this year. We dissect convenient commerce and talk about a good experience online and how that can translate into sales. And we actually did some research and found that investing in your site's UI, which is of course how we talked about earlier is how the site looks, could raise your conversion rates to up to 200%. But then a better UX design, which is how the site feels, could yield conversion rates to up to 400%. So focusing on those robust layouts and clear menus and mobile optimization is really just going to advance your site and get it to that position that you need to have it at so that your online store can continue to grow. But specifically, I think having a streamlined navigation and really focusing on that menu with organized product categories is going to set you up for success. This clip is from episode 25, A Retailer's Guide to TikTok with guests Gasper and M.A. Look, it's all relative. And I think the nice thing about TikTok in general is that it provides opportunities for smaller creators to get bigger followings. So I think that's just like a really big advantage of it in general. You see things with Instagram now or Facebook where it's really hard for creators to reach audiences. And now when you look at the Explore page on Instagram, which is where people would normally go to find uh, new creators, you're seeing the best of the best all the time. You're seeing the people with the top most views, the top most likes. So it's really hard to get an audience on Instagram anymore. But TikTok's not like that. You could scroll through TikTok on your FYP, your For You page, and you'll see people who have a video that, that's a million views and likes or whatever. And you'll see people who it's literally, you're the first view of that user's video. So it's really exciting. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And for the people listening, Bella Porch, 72.9 million followers. So there you go. <laughs> I was so far off. I was like, I said like a 10th of that. 72 million, that's crazy. And what's really interesting, though, is I do think that TikTok is, uh, they all kind of have their own vibe with the algorithm. And I think that algorithm actually paves more for the uh, utility of these apps than the actual even branding or the content themselves. Because I think that YouTube does not reward early starting creators at all. Like you can go in and upload content into the void for years and still be in the beginning. Whereas, and same thing with Twitch. I mean, you're going to be stuck at the bottom of um, of Twitch forever with zero to one to two people. But I think that TikTok is just, it seems like they're just saying, we want people to be discovered and we want you to see these uh more homebrew kind of is that the right term like these people that are are just doing it for fun as well as the promotional aspect this clip is from episode 26 let's talk with ring buyers part two with guests bailey and aaron so you guys had talked about buying off of Etsy and can you kind of walk me through the process and uh, what kind of tips you gave each other about uh, what kind of rings you said you had seen a lot of rainbow set rings and you didn't really want that. What were you looking for? Why don't you start? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think we both spent a lot of time looking at different rings and stones and we both I think knew what type of stone we wanted, like pretty specifically. And when I was looking for Bailey's ring, I looked at Etsy for a very long time. I ended up buying directly from a jeweler, but I knew that she wanted something different, like not just a diamond set and a gold ring. And so I ended up going with a salt and pepper diamond, which she had said she really liked. Oh, cool. And yeah. I like it because it reminds me of Bailey. Like, it's speckled, <laughs> just like you. Um, <laughs> and I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. 
But I got it uh, from a, actually a jeweler in Hawaii, and they're like a, a oh. minority and women-owned business, and um, they do a lot of jewelry made with things they find when they go on their like dive trips. This is not one of those things, obviously, <laughs> but um, it's a yeah, it was a hexagon cut salt and pepper diamond uh, set in silver, and it's just I don't know, it's nice because it's not super delicate looking but it's also still sort of like feminine you know it's right in between I think and it's Mm -hmm. uh I don't know it's just different wow and that's really interesting though to me that you so again full disclosure part of the reason why we do this is to show people kind of what goes through a consumer's mind and because a lot of the times I think that jewelers are getting kind of a skewed sense of what is important and what is not important to a uh, to a purchaser. And what's really interesting to me is the things you just said is uh, salt and pepper is that, you know, what makes that diamond is, you know, these inclusions, but inclusions could be something that people don't love. But also the fact that that is something that becomes a sentimental factor is really interesting to me, as well as the fact that the place that you purchased your ring from is has a mm, like a business direction that you feel some sort of uh, connection to. That is the sort of stuff that I wish our listeners would pay attention to and be like and put that more to the forefront as opposed to you would not believe how much jewelers care about the four C's of diamonds and the fact that's not what was the, the sell to you. It was the other things that were surrounding it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that was pretty similar for me. Well, one, I'll just talk about mine. I love it. It's the best. It is like, I think both of us uh, were really excited to have something that like could kind of represent that like wasn't, um, we wanted it for like daily wear and we're pretty, I would say casual, casual dressers. Um, So like something that actually fit with what, who we were and what we wear. Um, And I really like that it's, it's like a, a hammered, um, metal on the, uh, band, Ah, which feels just like really cool. So it doesn't feel particularly like smooth and soft and like epic. It doesn't feel like this like feminine, epic, luxurious thing. It feels like very, um, sort of simple. Like honest. Yeah. It feels like, I don't, I mean, this sounds like degrading, but it, I mean it in like the best way, but it feels like sort of humble and honest. And like, this is like metal and rock at the end of the day, Yeah, this is metal and rock. And I want it to be something that is not so far from what it is. Cause I like, I really enjoy things that feel more natural and are not so mm-hmm. yeah. glossy. Wow. Um, yeah. And I yeah. really love it. And there are like, there's little tiny imperfections cause it has, I think it's, it, so it's set in silver around it. Like it wraps it entirely. And there's, yeah. you can see like little tiny, like metal folds in there that are not like just totally, uh, like sanded down and, and like flattened It is, uh, very like made mm-hmm. and it still feels like metal and rock, which is cool. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. This clip is from episode 30. Trade Shows Revamped, an interview with Kate Youngstrom with host Ben and guest Kate Youngstrom. Nothing beats 
the face to face. I mean, and again, I know I'm not allowed to say that, but it's not even, it's all the work. What was always very cool about working on a trade show team was you spent all year creating this one thing and you got to see it come together in like four or five days and really the fruits of your labor. That was awesome. But like the trickle down effect of watching maybe a small, a a brand new designer who is spending all their money and they have no idea if they're going to get a sale, get some awesome luxury store or a massive order from, you know, a major like a Nordstrom's or something and they're like, yeah. like that right there is, is ultimately totally worth it. Yeah. You know, to see retailers find solutions at JCA talks that later on next year, you, you hear them say, I went to that one session and I totally changed my whole business. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you know, that happens 365 and, and it does happen. And, and that's why we have those products, but there is just nothing like that instant kind of gratification of, of that immediate learning and that immediate product touch and feel and that immediate kind of one-on-one. This clip is from episode 35. Let's talk with Inox Men's Jewelry with guest Sebastian. So before you guys got into it, were you really, there was no one doing men's jewelry more or less? So men's jewelry has been around forever. I mean, like, you know, uh, wedding bands, watches, heirlooms. There's always, there's always been men's jewelry. I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was, I, I was very lucky to be hired by this company, Salesman, who actually owns Inox. When I was very young, I was only 18 and I did my first jewelry show like industry jewelry show and I was just blown away it's a fantastic market you know it's like so new so many opportunities it was great I remember walking that show and I really wanted to buy something for myself you know Mm. and there really wasn't anything it was either like you know Rolexes for 30,000 you know uh, heirloom uh, Cuban bracelets all the type of stuff that people usually buy into because it demonstrates wealth and whatnot but like um, there really wasn't anything for my generation and when we came back and we started thinking it's like well our generation is going to grow up too and they're going to get married and like you know our generation like any other accessorizes more Uh, you know before like Jewelry has always been a women's thing, but there's more and more of a, of a request and a demand from the male customer. And there really wasn't that many options. So that's why around seven, eight years ago, even though the women's section was quite successful for us, we pivoted completely into men's just because we saw it writing on the wall. Like, you know, the market's going to open up opportunities are going to arise and we got to create offerings for customers that are are looking into a category, but don't really have anything beyond what exists. Like, you know, there's a a lot of legacy companies that have been around and they do amazing designs, but it's kind of been the same for a while. And what we tried to do is like, well, how we can bring modern design, modern fashion and like modern, uh, you know, shopping yeah, shopping practices from people into the jewelry business. We've always considered us uh, like, you know, alternative people, not only because of material, but also because how we market and how we present ourselves to a customer almost as a, what I always like to say to retailers, it's like, I am bringing you a solution to a problem you didn't know you had. This clip is from episode 36, top 15 social media platforms to capitalize on to grow with guest Gasper. Next we got YouTube. I am hopelessly addicted to YouTube. I've been into YouTube 
since I was in middle school, way into it. I think the interesting part about YouTube is this ecosystem that exists into it alongside creators and how creators talk to other creators and collaborate and the content just kind of snowballs and like ever evolving. When it comes to corporate and like business YouTube, what have you seen working? I, I, I Nothing really comes to mind for me. Education, um, it could be lifestyle even as well. People love vlogs. If you guys are into doing vlogs, jeweler vlog would be really cool. I would honestly watch a video or two or three, who knows, of uh, what's this jewelry store? What goes into jewelry repairs? I want to see like oh, the yeah. micro stuff. I want to see people doing, rep- like I would watch crap out of that. Like that's amazing, right? That's a great suggestion. Like when I've seen videos that I get retargeted for jewelry all the time, but those watch repairs, like where they take out they repair like an old Rolex or something and they like are so cool. doing like the whatever that big coiled up part is and they have to like do it really specifically because otherwise you can whip out and hit them in the face like soldering and stuff yeah that's the to me that stuff is so probably so mundane and so everyday for typical business owners jewelry store owners that they almost forget that it's cool to the rest of us and i think it would be really interesting absolutely and i mean like youtube has a great music library full of a lot of different music that you could put to it if you really just make it artistic and make it cool i think there's a lot of potential for that the other thing that's really nice about youtube is that people spend more time on youtube than other apps so like tiktok is what now they're up to three minute videos but like youtube you can make an 8 10 15 minute video and people will watch those like they'll still watch that yeah. All you would need to get started is a freaking, you know, those bendable tripods, those ones, and you can put your phone in it. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it a million times. The camera on everyday smartphones is high enough quality that you can shoot any video you want on it. And it's going to be high quality and it's going to feel high quality. You don't need those fancy video cameras anymore. You can just shoot with a an iPhone, honestly, eight and up, you're fine. I think it's going to be good. I think that YouTube especially, what would be the benefit of having a great YouTube channel as a business? I think it's like you're getting them passively all the time and they're associating your name with artistic expression, which to me, that can't be a bad thing. That's got to be a good thing. Also education. In education. And that's when, you, when you're offering things to people for free, education about buying jewelry, education about what goes into the jewelry, then they're more interested in you. And then they're also invested in you, like you as a source. And they think like, oh, well, this person knows a lot. I could buy from them and trust them. I definitely agree. Well, everybody, that's the end of the season. Thank you so much for listening. If you listen to one episode or you listen to them all, it really means the world to us. We'll be back next year on January 11th with more awesome techniques, topics, and information about the jewelry industry. And from everybody at Punchmark, the Smithy Group, and myself, I want to say thank you for supporting us and continuing to listen along. We'll be back very soon. In the meantime, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe. It really helps us grow. Thank you so much. See you next week.